Hi, everyone, and welcome to the RegTech Report, your update on all things RegTech. My name is Carl Viertel, and with me is Stefan Celestio. Our mission is to bring you the latest news, speak with industry pioneers, and news about the latest tech. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the RegTech Report. We actually are switching it up a little bit. So I do see Javier, who's uh, managing and editing uh, our entire uh, uh, podcast here. But I am joined by two new faces. Uh, one of my colleagues here at Mitratech, uh, Brian McGovern, who uh, runs all of our workflow automation business, and a very special guest uh, from one of our partners at Anaqua, Dan Anderson. Welcome, Brian and Dan. Hello. Thanks, Carl. Great to be here. Well. We have a, you know, as you know, we, we speak a lot about regulatory technology. We speak a lot about risk, about cybersecurity. Um, but one of the things that uh, Stefan, the, uh, one of the co-hosts usually in the podcast, never tires of focusing on is all of that is based on people, right? The best cybersecurity is always based on people. The best regulatory implementation is always needs smart people to do so. And so the question is, how do you get those people? And once, you, once you've got them, how do you keep them? And this is where I believe that uh, both of you, Brian and Dan, have some really great insights. And so um, maybe to kick things off, um, what, are, what are you seeing in sort of retention developments at the moment? Uh, you know, a few months ago, we were talking about the great resignation. Are we past that? And what should businesses be looking at from their retention strategy now? One of the things, you know, what we've seen, obviously, it's a very competitive market. Um, and, you know, being part of, uh, you know, relatively new acquisition by Inaqua through C-Unity, um, one of the challenges we've had is really scaling our business. And so um, what we've done and what we've seen is, is really technology really aids in attracting new talent. I think there's a, a new workforce and and you know, being able to cater across the board in terms of offering the, the best of breed applications and uh, providing tools that, that provide, you know, increased productivity, um, as well as uh, the ability to uh, multitask and, you know, deal with the very, you know, uh, geographically dispersed remote workforce. And so um, Anaqua has invested heavily in the technologies we offer, not only internally, but as Anaqua as a company really aid in providing solutions that um, not only attract new talent, because you need to have the modern, the best of breed components for people to do their work, um, but also being able to, you know, maintain uh, and improve operational efficiencies and workflow. And so really, that's what we're trying to do, not only internally, but in terms of the solutions we provide is really streamline and automate workflow processes to improve productivity, but just aid in terms of helping employees um, do their jobs more efficiently and, and be more productive. Totally agree with you, Dan. Uh, also, great points. I was excited to get to be part of this uh, this podcast, this revered platform that Carl's developed for us uh, today because uh, to tell a funny story about myself, um, going back 10, 15 years ago, leading in-house teams and developing workflow and stuff, I actually was caught several times in public saying things like, who cares about the UI? Just get a workflow together. Tie the systems together. It yeah. doesn't matter. I have to admit, like, I said these things to other people. It's so embarrassing now. I was totally 
wrong. These are key drivers to the employee experience. And we're going to talk broadly about why that is. But, you know, the way you feel about the applications you work in, how easy are they? You know, the world has changed. Everyone, no one has a training manual for an app anymore. You know, people want to get in. They want it easy. They don't want to be retyping things. They want things to be at their fingertips. They want to collaborate seamlessly. And it's actually hugely critical in today's day and age to actually give that experience to your teammates, your employees, your your customers, or they're going to they're they're going to smell it out right away. I'm a convert. I was wrong. I admit it. Yeah. Here's my penance today. I mean, the right away element I think is so important, right? Because when you join a new business, what is the first yeah. thing you interact with? Right. Internal workflows, right? You never spend as much time with internal processes as in the first week or two. Right. And so you've spent all this money on recruiting and finding the right talent. And then you bring them in. And the first thing they see after they you know, meet with, well, not even physically with HR anymore, it's just a virtual call probably, is potentially your antiquated workflows. Right. So what's that going to do for, you know, someone who had another offer and, you know, uh, in their inbox uh, with that, you know, in the back of their mind, did they make the right decision? Um, you know, what's that going to do for, uh, for their success? One of my company? worst onboarding experiences of my life is exactly what you're talking about, Carl. I won't embarrass the employer that it was, but not only were the internal applications bad, for the first two weeks, I didn't have a computer. No. I was computer, uh, commu- commuting to downtown Manhattan, going to a big, giant office building for two weeks. All I had was my mobile phone. And, you know, I mean... Like, talk about just, like, an awful onboarding experience. But that extends to, you know, the systems you're using. And, Carl, I'd add, it's not just when you're hired. You know, increasingly, it's the experience before you're hired. What are the forms? Are these people – why are these people still sending me paper? Like, these sorts of questions. I think it starts your your initial conversations with a company. Dan, if I can catch you off guard here. If you go in and speak to a new prospect or a new company that you're going to help uh, digitalize sort of uh, their their workflows, what would be like the first three things you would look at where you know that's going to be a terrible experience? I'm going to look there first. Yeah, I think in large, we look at, you know, um, where they are in terms of their technology stack and, and sort of what sort of platforms they've invested in. Um, are they modern? <laughs> Do they have modern APIs? You know, what are the capabilities? Ultimately, what is the workflow? How do they work? You know, from a, with a remote workforce, um, how do they work with their partners and their customers? And so, those things sort of guide us in terms of how we would approach implementing our solutions and sort of what we're up against. Is there is there a data migration that needs to be part of that? You know, what is that? Have they thought through? what the use case is. Do they understand the complexity? And ultimately, can they tell us and help you know, articulate what they're trying to accomplish? And so uh, if we don't solve those or get those questions answered, then I think you know, out, of, out of the gate, then we know that there's going to be some challenges and sort of a reset of expectations. So, um, so yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it's really understanding and working with them to make sure they understand the business problems and sort of what they're hoping to accomplish. Technology only gets you so far. But it's the people, it's the processes, it's it's the workflow that really makes the technology work. Hmm. I mean, it's uh, this is a really interesting um, sort of bridge to some of the regulatory and cyber topics we like to talk about because 
you know, so often we love to focus on the technology aspect and sort of uh, gloss over the people and human change aspect of making the these things a reality. And I can only imagine that, you know, the HR, the internal departments that are, you know, owning these processes uh, need to go along in the journey of uh, digitalizing and transforming uh, to a more end-to-end workflow as well. Absolutely great, Carl. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I would imagine that you go in, you start talking to your uh, stakeholders and, you know, have a strategy of how we're going to uh, transform different elements of their, their workflows. And at some point, someone's going to run up against a budget. Someone's going to run up against a, you know, reason to, uh, uh, to question the investment. And, uh, sure. you know, what are the big, the big ticket items that you focus on when you're building that business case uh, for transformation? Yeah, I think it's, it's really the, the, obviously the automation, but if, um, you know, with wise time, one of the key benefits and, and immediate ROIs is the ability to sort of automate the, the time capture um, ability to sort of work behind the scenes. So with a law firm, um, as an example, it's all about billable time and productivity. And so the more you can automate that, um, you know, uh, and capture that without having and, and avoid really the manual intervention and manual processes so that you can sort of work and everybody works in a very, um, you know, uh, during a business day, there's interruptions, there's emails that come in. And so, you know, the start and stop uh, and being able to go back at the end of your day and say, well, what did I do? Where did I build my time? So, um, you know, to be able to automate those processes and capture that behind the scenes, which is one of the key benefits. Uh, what we've seen with a lot of our customers and clients is a significant savings and immediate ROI with being able to, to, to build more time and capture the time properly. Uh, and then ultimately save the time from a productivity standpoint point on a weekly basis or hourly basis on a, uh, you know, per week, the amount of time that the employees have to do the manual intervention. So it's streamlining that, automating that, capturing that, and then, you know, avoiding the, the manual um, intervention in terms of uh, reviewing what you did in a day um, or being able to, you know, having to go in and talk to different systems or in and out of various systems. So the more you can automate that and streamline that process, the better ROI and, and, and um, you know, particularly with wise time, there's a, a, a you know proven track record and justification that we we articulate to to customers as we implement the solutions, and it's pretty easy to measure that. Few things make me happier in my workday than when somebody asks me about providing ROI. Like, uh, I almost said, few things make me happier, but that's not true. In my workday, that's true because you know when you think about the, the types of um, software that we offer, especially around workflow automation, you're taking sure. work that people don't like to do. But similar to right. wise time, nobody likes, re- shouldn't say that, very few people that I know like recording their time. And very few people yeah. I know, you know, we're talking about how do you drive UI to, to employ, improve employee experience. Very few people yeah. like to rekey the same information to three places. Very few people yeah. like record responding to the 20th email when you're 20 emails deep, no productive work has happened. Very few people like to do mundane, boring things over and over and over again. God bless the one or two of you listening that likes that. You're you're in the minority here. So when people start asking about ROI, it's fantastic. You do this 100 times a day. You got a team of 100 people doing it. It, You're going to save five minutes per application. Boom, there's half a million dollars in savings a year. It really can't be easier in terms of workflow. And it's it's yeah. so compelling. So 
Carl, I love it when that question comes up. That's like it's it's I'm gonna make I'm gonna make everyone in this department's life better. Here's how. So I'm the first to admit that I'm not a HR compliance expert, right? Um, but I will also say one of the things that did catch me off guard is, especially in the European Union, a lot more regulation coming in place, like here in Germany, around time tracking. And, you know, you could naively say, oh, time tracking, that was, you know, punch cards in the 19th century or whatever. Um, but this is actually from a perspective of, uh, making sure that employees are fairly treated, that they're, you know, paid uh, fairly for the work they put in. And so, you know, having a, on the one hand, a requirement to track work and track um, uh, things that people do on a daily basis. And on the other hand, obviously not wanting to put an additional burden um, and annoying admin on top of your day to day. I mean, that's a, that's an interesting challenge to be in. And I mean, it seems like uh, you guys are, uh, in the absolute sweet spot for uh, addressing that, we are, and I think it's it's that's one of the things that that's um, really when I first started looking into the wise time applications and the customers was um, you know the benefit of that. So being able to one only you know as a legal requirements come into play, um, obviously it's going to be a requirement. I think that's going to continue. Um, you know, we've also started to use the technology internally with our own employees to learn about how we can improve efficiencies in terms of, you know, where are people spending their time, you know, and, and the beauty of it is it just kind of watches uh, behind the scenes. And then, you know, it, there's tremendous benefit, not only in terms of the regulatory compliance that needs to be handled and managed, um, but also just in terms of the productivity and being able to measure and understand, you know, where do we have issues potentially with the deployment or a project? You know, how much time are we spending? We're spending way too much time. So is it, uh, you know, do we need to do improvements on the UI or the administration or the documentation. So um, that was one of the things that really um, was interesting to me that we're starting to sort of drink our own Kool-Aid, but uh, you know, the benefits that I think is, you know, we're starting to sell and, and offer and you know promote with, with our clients that the, the benefits of not only just managing billable hours, but, you know, let's look at, at how we can um, measure and, and track time internally in terms of where we're spending our, our, our time and resources so that we can optimize that and improve. I, I love that. Yeah. Uh, Carl, I think you were the one that told me about that regulation change. And what was interesting about it yeah. was just a complete flip. Like, you know, it, everyone had thought about timekeeping, like, well, it's a billable hour, or I need to build against my insurance claim, or what I'm going to build my customer. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, it's such a pain in the butt. I, I have to make sure I get to my 2,500 or 2,800 hours a year and, you know, can't take vacation and working on the weekends and very negative connotation for most of my career. And then uh, awesome, great job by our friends in Germany, flip the hell paradigm. Like, no, this is how you can actually use this to protect employees. Great change. I I absolutely loved it. The extension to workflow automation is, a lot of groups, you know, no matter where you work, uh, whether you're in your legal department, HR department, one of the things that very nearly universal is nobody has enough time, nobody has enough people, nobody has enough budget for everything they want to do. And everyone is so busy, you know, grinding away, grinding away. But it's very difficult sometimes to say, what have you been doing? It's very difficult to justify what volume has your legal department done? What have, you know, what is, what are you actually delivering benefit to your business? And when you, you know, not just a timekeeping tool, why I'm fantastic, but with a workflow tool, it allows you to actually, you know, you, you can't count emails. You can't count cycle time of emails, but a workflow tool allows you to say, no, 
we did, we serviced 100 legal service requests and 25 self-service NDAs and put numbers to it and SLAs in a way that's not possible before and really deliver sort of the same idea. Like, you know, Carl, the extension there is protecting the workers, justifying their existence. Why, what were they doing? Workflow does the same sorts of thing. It's saying, sure. here's what we did. Here's why we're so great. Here's how we're hitting our SLA. Very similar thing. Yeah, I mean, I think the the reason that the combination of both of you in this podcast is so important is that, you know, you're you bring together the measuring not just of time but of value, right? And I think that's sort of where where these these programs really need to be. I mean, uh, you know, if you do, you know, uh, look at it like a punch card, yeah, that is, you know, you could just be sitting in your break room all day, um that wouldn't actually be creating value integrating this into a digital end-to-end workflow, that becomes meaningful. So thinking about sort of how this happens in real life, Brian, do you have like a really obscure example of uh, where this, uh, you know, workflow transformation occurred that you just initially didn't think was, you know, possible, useful, or even smart? Yeah, it would have never crossed my mind, but one of our tech streaming partners, customers, um, really rethought what it was like how to hire all their extras that they're going to have for their programs. And it guides the entire employee onboard. I mean, there's a lot of extras on one of these types. You know, there's there can be hundreds of people involved in some of these types of episodes, right? So they want a really seamless way to do it, which workflow automation is fantastic about it. But then they, so that was kind of a cool idea. But then they took it to just this magnificent extreme. I got a chance to look at a couple of the workflows they used. They're beautifully branded. It looks like the opening scene credits on the show that the person's going to be working on. So imagine you're, you know, you're excited to be an extra. You're excited to be chosen by this major production. It's shows that everybody on this podcast listening to has seen and heard of. And you you get in there and it looks like this the show you're going to join it the graphics are gorgeous and they've got you know the background effects are absolutely beautiful like from the moment that person is onboarding as an extra like they're in the theme they're part of it and it like just i i can't imagine being how excited you'd be to get in there and then you're you're guided on your onboarding on a you know exactly what you're going to be part of uh, it just i can't imagine how much it adds to the excitement and it's something, honestly, my not very creative brain would have never come up with. You, I love being surprised like that. That is outstanding. And I'll be looking up your IMDb page, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so here in the podcast, we always end with a what we call our top three. Are you guys in? Should we do a top three? I'm ready. All right. It's the top three. So I was thinking about what is uh, sort of the the top piece of tech, be it software or hardware, that you just really can't live without, that you just absolutely love. Brian, do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. So you need to know a little bit about me personally. Uh, Carl, you know this. I have a a 15-year-old son that plays baseball, and we drive all over the Northeast for baseball tournaments and baseball games. And it's fantastic. We get to spend a lot of time together. Um, 
And I got recommended to me, and I'm now recommending to everyone else, if you like to take road trips, an app for your phone called Autio, A-U-T-I-O. And as you drive, it just randomly pops up historical or interesting facts about the area you're driving through. No, it's absolutely fantastic. And it'll just be random. So they have all these uh, contributors who are putting in stories and, you know, you're just driving down the road and say, oh, let me tell you something about Danbury, Connecticut. And it'll, you know, it's got a minute or two story and it's fantastic because also you're never sure when it's coming. It's kind of just surprises you like over my GPS, it starts talking. So recommended to everyone. It was recommended to me. Strong recommendation for those of you who like to road trip. Dan, what about you? What's your piece of tech? Well, most recently, um, I just started using a product, product called Calendly, which oh, uh, isn't as exciting I as Brian. But uh, for me, it's a, it's a game changer in terms of just uh, managing a, a team that's global, um, not only coordinating meetings, but uh, internally, uh, which is a very daunting task for me. Yeah, so you don't enjoy <laughs> those emails saying, hey, could you provide three suggestions of when we could meet across full no. time zones? No, not when you're getting, uh, you know hundreds of emails a day to go through and it's a you know sort of a mindless task of being able to coordinate um, but yeah very beneficial saves me a tremendous amount of time on a daily basis not only internal meetings but also offering times for customers and yeah. you can imagine uh, it's a very daunting task so uh, huge huge uh, value add for me in terms of productivity and making my life uh, easier on a daily basis then I'll be the odd one out. You guys both had a uh, software uh, for me. I'm going to say a piece of hardware. So when I bought my first Apple watch, I was like, ah, I never wore watches. And I'm like, okay, they, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm really going to use it. And as Apple does, it just becomes so seamlessly part of some key workflows um, that you have both in private and uh, business life. And I love, I walk up to my computer and it automatically unlocks. Um, I hop on my bike and I launch the Strava app on it. And uh, it's, uh, I love the seamlessness of it. I uh, uh, was initially critical and I'm a convert. So uh, that's sort of my, uh, my piece of technology that I absolutely love. I like them so much. And I got two of them. <laughs> I have one I use for sleeping and one for during the day. That's awesome. That's a first. Yeah. All right. <laughs> first, I've heard that. Yeah, but but good, uh, good justification, I guess. <laughs> well, with that, Dan and Brian, thank you so much for sharing your uh, insight and knowledge with us. Um, to our listeners, uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll catch you soon on the next episode of the RegTech Report. Thanks for listening. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter. Follow our dedicated podcast handle at the RegTech Rep. 